0: You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com in fact you can find all of richard's talks right there waiting just for you richardellistalks.com so with today's talk here's richard ellis
1: the title of today's message is skin deep now i'm going to talk to you about something that's not going away and i'm not going to stop talking about and it may be a little harder on some white folk than it is on some black folk but it occurred to me you know who cares about martin luther king day What white people give a rip about Martin Luther King Day? Just some black guy that stirred up some stuff because there were, you know, black people don't have rights like everybody else, but you know, they just need to get over all that and get on with their lives because, you know, that's all over and we just need to get on with things in America because that's not a problem anymore. Well, I sat around at lunch with a group of people, three or four of them black, and had an interesting conversation because we have a relationship together. And if you grew up white in America, some of these things don't matter. Now some of you are saying, you know, I came to church. I didn't come to hear some civil rights speech. I want to hear something out of the Bible. We're going to wish I hadn't found it in a minute out of the Bible, but that'll be all right when we get to that. But sitting around and asking one of the guys, I said, have you ever experienced any racial profiling? And he said, yeah, I had an accounting job, young guy, great job, bought a Mercedes. His mom lived in the hood and he'd get off late at work some nights and drive home in this Mercedes and get pulled over by the cops. Not speeding, not nothing and have to prove that it was his car and have a suit on and go through that whole deal. And you say, well, that's just understandable. Black people shouldn't be driving Mercedes because they're usually stolen or they're drug dealers. And you say, well, that sounds terrible. That's what people think. So what's this black man doing in a neighborhood with a Mercedes? He shouldn't be having that car. And I see you say, well, I don't don't understand that. I don't want to talk about that. Well, there are a lot of people in this country that do understand that and that do talk about that. And at some point we think a culture is going to cure these things and we wait for the government to rule on things and it's all going to change because of some law. But as we're going to talk about today a little bit, we should be done with waiting for the government to fix some of these things because this isn't government stuff. This is God stuff. And unfortunately the last place on the planet where it should have happened first is the church. The church should have been the first place that said, "You know what? Enough is enough." Scripturally, in a godly manner, we should approach this subject and show the world how we can love each other regardless of color, economics, whatever it may be. Now, I'm going to read you a quote out of a speech by a gentleman named Martin Luther King on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, and I read this speech two or three times this week. And uh, if you haven't read it in a long time, I suggest you go read it, no matter what color you are, because it is pretty profound. But he said, I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character where it's about who you are as a person, something below the skin, not something just skin deep. The word prejudice, for example, or by the way, means to prejudge. And it's not just racial, but a lot of times we have racial prejudices and we look at somebody and size them up. We prejudge them because of nothing but the color of their skin and we make assumptions and have fears and, Oh, we need to stay away from that black guy or, you know, that could be trouble or just terrible assumptions. And we do it across a lot of lines, but a lot of times it is white on black or it can be Hispanic. But today we're going to focus on some black and white issues. In 1 Samuel 16, the prophet Samuel is about to anoint another king for Israel. The previous guy, the previous king was Saul. And if you go read the story about Saul, when he was picked, it turns out that Saul was this tall, taller than everybody. You put Saul in a crowd and boom, there was Saul. Great looking, strong, tall man. And for some reason, God picked Saul the first time around. Samuel anoints him. The second time around... You look in Samuel 16, verse six. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. In other words, because of the way he looked, the outside, the skin deep piece of it, he's got to be the next king. Look at him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him for a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And what I'm going to talk to you today about is getting from skin deep stuff to the heart deep stuff to the heart of the matter areas where we stop and you say, well, you just can't live in a world like that. I'm going to try to talk today in some ways just about Christian on Christian stuff. If we can't get that solved, we're never going to get beyond that to anything else. Now, I'm going to read you a rather lengthy excerpt, a policy called Separate But Equal from Wikipedia, a free encyclopedia you can get on the internet. But listen to this. Separate but equal was a policy enacted into law throughout the U.S. Southern states during the period of segregation in which African-Americans and Americans of European descent would receive the same services, schools, hospitals, water fountains, bathrooms, etc., but that there would be distinct facilities for each race. Because of racist attitudes, however, the facilities were in fact unequal with poor facilities being allotted to blacks. According to one account, a young boy recalled remaining late at a department store so that he could taste the quote unquote white water. To his disappointment, it tasted the same, but the water fountain worked much better than the one designated for African Americans. The repeat of separate but equal laws was a key focus of the civil rights movement of the fifties and sixties in Brown versus board of education of 1954. The Supreme court outlawed segregated public education facilities for blacks and whites. So somebody can say, well, why are you talking about separate but equal? That's over. We don't have that. There's no back of the bus. There's no white water fountain, black water fountain. That's over. Let me keep reading. The doctrine that racial segregation is constitutional as long as the facilities provided for blacks and whites are roughly equal, this doctrine was long used to support segregation in the public schools and a variety of public facilities, such as transportation and restaurants where the facilities and services for blacks were often clearly inferior. For decades, the Supreme Court refused to rule the separate but equal doctrine unconstitutional on the grounds that such civil rights issues were the responsibility of the states. In the decision of Brown versus Board of Education in 54, the Supreme Court unanimously ruled separate but equal schools unconstitutional. The ruling was followed by several civil right laws in the 1960s. Now, so it's over. Let me tell you why I think it's not over. And I know people are here today listening and beyond this place. It's over everywhere but church. And the way we've cured the separate but equal thing in churches is, in a lot of cases, there's a big white church, and what we've done is established satellite churches, and we call them sister churches. Now, if they're black churches, they ought to be brother churches, but that's a whole another sermon. We have sister churches, and what this is, is separate but equal. And what we say is, bottom line, us white folk want to have church together the way we like to have it. And we understand that you guys have needs, too. So we'll send some cash over there to the hood and have you all some stuff. And it may not be equal, but as long as it's separate, we don't care. Just don't be coming over here to our party. You say, well, where that's going on. Take a ride. Now, have we solved this problem? Is it this way everywhere? No, but I'm going to tell you something. As long as I got breath in me, there will be no separate and equal. It will be together or else. You cannot find, I have looked in the book, I cannot find one verse to back up Christian segregation on the race of anything, on the basis of anything, race, economics, anything. You follow Jesus Christ around through the New Testament. He is surrounded by rich, poor, every race, every economic, prostitutes, tax collectors, everybody. You say, well, I'm not comfortable with those kind of people. Then you're probably not very comfortable with Jesus either. And it's possible that our faith has gotten skin deep, that it's just about the surface. It's about surface things. It's about looking in a place and saying, well, who am I comfortable or uncomfortable with? The church should be leading the charge for and with change. Now, I'm not standing up for saying, you know, we've figured all this out. There's a lot of white people here. There's some black people. And you know what? This is hard for black and white people because if black people come to a church where there are white people, they go back into their neighborhood and you know what they hear? We well, y'all just trying to be white. They're escaping their culture to go and mix it up. So there is persecution on both ends of this. And when we gather like this from diverse backgrounds, musically, different tastes, somehow we got to get beyond these surface things and say, God, let's get to the heart of it. These people are my brothers or sisters or not. And if Jesus said, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. This is how everybody's going to know that you're my disciples. You love each other. And when somebody walks in and there's homeless people, black people, white people, Mexican people, rich people, poor people, my contention is there is something that happens that cannot be explained, but that God is doing it because there is no reason for these people to be together. And too much of what happens in churches today can be explained away without God's help. You don't need God's help to get a bunch of rich white people together that drive the same kind of cars, live in the same happy little neighborhood with the same non-problems. You don't need God for that. They'll get together anyway somewhere. You don't need God to get a bunch of black folk together who are poor and talk about poor issues and under this and whatever our problems are. They're going to get together anyway and talk about that or poor white people or all these issues, it's when those people pile in the same room and in the same family, and the same community and say, you know what, we can do God together. We don't know how to do all this other stuff together, but if we start here and our hearts are changed and we get past this skin deep stuff, Maybe we can love each other. Maybe we can worship together. Maybe we can have community together. Maybe we can care about each other, help each other. I am tired of sending white money to black churches or Mexican churches somewhere else. You know what? Bring them in here. Let's help them hands-on, love them, be family, sit next to them, and be a community, be a church. Now, am I being critical of other churches? You know what? I got no beef. I'm going to say what I'm saying because I think it's biblical. There are churches, it takes a long time to change these things. I know of churches today that try desperately, maybe sometimes to make this turn, and too many people have to die for there to be change, so they try in the midst of that. So I'm not judging anybody. Please don't misunderstand me. But we don't have that restraint We don't have that limitation, and I'm not trying to run anybody off, but if you came here and are looking for a church and want some nice little package thing that's just all about you and your kind of music and your kind of whatever and don't want anybody around you to make you uncomfortable, go find you another church. We're not going there. We don't ship money off and let some other inner city ministry deal with those issues. Why can't white Americans, black Americans, rich, poor, everybody in the middle, pile in together and say, this is not the government's problem. It is our problem. It is our city. It is our neighborhood. Let's us figure out a way to do something about this and love these people. And you say, well, I'm afraid I'm going to get robbed and all this. You know what? You can get robbed out in the suburbs quicker than get robbed where I live because all the thieves live down here with me going to your house. Now let me tell you something, I am very passionate about this, and it's not civil rights, it is godliness, it is righteousness, it's a sin issue. It's not a civil rights issue, it is a sin issue. We don't love each other, we don't see people the way God sees people. We have filters, we have been taught things, little children, what I love about where my kids go to school and here at church is it's all kind of kids. They don't know anything about racism unless you're teaching it at home. You use the n-word on a black man, you have taught your child an atrocity. You are teaching them hatred, you are teaching them to see people differently, you are putting stuff on them they don't need, they're not born with that crap. Leave them alone, get a life, get a heart, change who you are, say, God help me. This is not right. This is not who God is, this is not who I don't be. And the problem with this, you can call it hypocrisy, it's skin deep faith. And people listen to you and watch us and say, well, they say all the right things. There's a little surface there of Christianity. But when you go right below the surface, they're like everybody else. Privately, somewhere in a conversation, you talk like everybody else. White people with white people. See, you think, well, I'm not saying anything bad about black people in front of black people. The white people you say it to, figure out who you are. And if you're black and bashing white people, the black folks you're with say, well, he's a Christian, but he hates white people like we do. So I guess it's all right. He's one of the brothers instead of being in a group and it goes that way and you say you know what wait a minute wait a minute this isn't a white or black issue these are people just to give you an idea romans 8 17 and the discussion here is of about we're in the family of God or we're his children. It says, and if children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. This whole concept of an inheritance that God has left it to all of us. It is not for a particular group of people who live in a particular place, whether you like it or not, or we like it or not, we are in this together. Jesus died for people. And sometimes people say, well, God is colorblind. You know what he is and he isn't. God loves color. He's not colorblind. He looks down and if you're black, he made you black. If you're white, he made you white. That's not the problem. It's colorblind when it's a good thing when we don't distinguish on surface issues and we just say, no matter what color you are, you are my brother, you are my sister. We have the same father. We are joint heirs with Christ in this. There is no distinction. The word here, joint heirs, means one who obtains something assigned to himself with others, a joint participant. It's equal ground. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Sometimes I I have this thought, you know, we refer to people as this. I've said this in a sermon, and please don't take this out of context. We see Mexican people, for instance, we say, those dumb Mexicans, they came over from Mexico and they can't speak, they ought to go back to their own kind. And we treat them like they're another kind of species on the planet. Jesus died for the poor Mexican, the poor black person, the rich black person, everybody. You can't distinguish. And he's not more interested in us because of our affluence and our influence and our ability to give money and change the world. It's for everybody equally. We are joint heirs. Look at Galatians chapter three, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through Christ Jesus, through faith in Christ Jesus. And these simple words like all, all means all, anybody. If you're one of them, it's everybody. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There is no distinction in that day. There were slaves. There were free people, slaves, people. And he said, you know what? If you're in Christ, there is no distinction. There is no segregating or separating out and making someone better than someone else. You are all heirs because of what he did. And they had trouble back then. Forget the slave issue back then As we're Jews. We're God's chosen people. And you Gentiles come in here and think you can accept Christ and be equal to us. It drove these Jewish people crazy. They wanted him to do something, and you just can't walk in here and be one of us just like that. Yes, you can. And if you can't, you're going to have to find a new Bible. It's everywhere in here. Look at over Galatians chapter 4. Paul says to him now I say that the heir as long as he is a child does not differ at all from a slave or a servant though he is master of all but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father even so we when we were children were in bondage under the elements of the world but when the fullness of the time had come God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons and because you are sons God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying out Abba father therefore you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir of God through Christ we're in this together we're all heirs in this together now look at first John chapter 1 First John chapter one, verse five, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now look at verse six. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, what happens? How do you know if you are walking in the light as he is in the light? Here's the key. We have fellowship with one another. There is nothing in the about We have fellowship with other white people who live and drive 2.1 house with children and cars. And it's we have fellowship with another. It's believers. Do you have fellowship with believers no matter what the skin deep issues are? Now, let me read you verse six again. If we say that we have fellowship with him. Now, this is a Christian person who says, yeah, I'm a Christian. Where are you going to die when you go? I'm going to heaven. All right, well, let's watch this a little bit. You say you have fellowship with God, but you walk in darkness. Then you lie and do not practice the truth. Sooner or later, you're going to get found out if somebody watches you and listens to us long enough. Who we really are is going to come out in a joke, in a comment, in a conversation let me throw one other thing in here. People say, well, you know what? I just not willing to make the sacrifices to be with people that aren't like me. You know, I can go to a point, but if it gets to being in a Bible study situation and there's some black person and they're ignorant and some, you know, whatever, I don't have to do that. I'm going to stay in my own world of my own kind. Then how in the world did you ever get married if you're married and how in the world are you ever going to get married if you're not married? because you're going to mix it up with somebody who is not like you. It happened in my house last night. I come in, we got a stereo, I turn the stereo up, some song I like. Rebecca's over there cringing and turn it down, turn it down. You know she doesn't want loud music and I like loud music. Well last night she had some country and western CD which she loves that. Put it on, pick a song, turn it up, turn it up and I'm like turn it down, turn it down. Now Why do we put up with each other? You know why? Love. The only way anybody gets married or stays married, unless there's a lot of money involved, is love. And you look at somebody and you say, God, literally, God, (laughs) there is a lot of stuff here I'm going to have trouble adjusting to. Man, I I cannot help myself. I have got to share and spend the rest of my life with this person. I don't care what the differences are. I love them so much. I got to get in. It's the same thing in church. But you look at people and you say, God, I don't have anything in common with this person except that I love you and they love you and you're my father and you're his father. And you know what that makes you? Brothers. That makes you sisters. That makes you family. So you say, you know what, God? I really don't have an option. I choose to love this person because I got nowhere to go. So I'm going to figure this out. It is easier to love your way into liking somebody than it is to like your way into loving somebody. Now read with me through 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and following. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love in this. The love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent us his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. For God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now look at verse 19 and following. We love him because he first loved us. Verse 20, if someone says, quote unquote, I love God, and hates his brother he is a liar now those are strong words to me you don't walk up to almost any anybody and say you know what you're a liar but God does you say you love God you hate your brother you're a liar that's what he says to me to you to all of us don't be saying you love me and then turn around and not love a brother you're a liar you say well I don't like that then do something about it For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also.
0: Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the Talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk.
1: Is your religion skin deep? And if it is, are you willing to say, God, I got trouble, I got sin, I got corruption, I got hatred, I got all this junk inside of me, and you're going to have to start from the inside and work out and change my heart, change my mind, change my life. And for some people, this whole God thing is skin deep. It's just religion. It's trappings. It's put on some clothes, smile big, play the game, maybe a hat, maybe some gloves, maybe a new dress, a suit, whatever your deal is. I did the God thing. You know what? That's not what he's after. He's after your life, everything you are, everything you have. You say, well, I'm done with all this skin deep stuff, whether it's racially or relationships, whatever it may be. How do I change it? How do I go to the heart of it? If you are a Christian, number one, here's a place to start. You say, God, you know what? I'm going to call it what you call it. If I'm prejudiced, if I hate people, if I have this bitterness in my heart, no love, and you've explained it all away. I'm going to stop saying what I say is right. I'm going to say what you say is right. What I say is wrong. I'm going to call it what it is, sin. And I'm telling you, God, I'm out of line. I confess my sin. I know you'll forgive me. Now you got to help me, God. Love the way you love. You don't look on the outward appearance, so you got to show me how to not do that anymore. And treat people like people. Thanks for tuning in today
0: to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.